0: Welcome to the Equipping Podcast. My name is Nathan, and this is a special episode with the Eubank family from Free Burma Rangers. Last fall, I interviewed Dave and his family about their experiences of providing relief and support for refugees affected by ISIS in Iraq, specifically in the Battle of Mosul. And since then, the Eubank family has taken off again. And over the last... Six weeks to a couple months, they have been in eastern Syria on the Iraqi border, and they've been a huge help to the U.S.-backed Syrian forces who are driving ISIS out of its last geographical stronghold. They've provided essential humanitarian aid, food, water, medicine, treating wounded people as people flee from ISIS. And so we had the opportunity last weekend for them to come and hang out here at watermark and just share an update with us. And we wanted to make sure and record it so that we could pass it along to you guys. If you haven't listened to the three part interview I did with the Eubank family last fall, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. The first episode is titled God said go that released on October the 15th. That'll give you a good sense for who the Eubank family is. And then I hope this special update challenges and encourages you. Let me pray for us really quickly, and then we'll give the mic to them. Well, Jesus, thank you for the opportunity that we have to just gather together as your family. And thank you for um, the fact that you have united us by your spirit. And uh, I just pray that you would encourage um, everybody here. Encourage us here stateside, and then encourage the Eubank family as they go all over the world. And I pray that you would just use this time to... Challenge us to deepen our confidence that you're trustworthy and to just have the confidence to walk by faith. So, just offer you this time and pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so my name's Nathan, and was, gosh, where was I? Probably two years ago, a buddy of mine who couldn't be here, he wanted to. He's at another, she's on staff at another church, but. He emailed me a video of the Eubank family and was like, dude, these, these guys are like your tribe. You got to check this out, you know? And I was like, so I click on it and I'm like, yeah, that is my tribe. <laughs> but uh watched and started following the Eubank family. They're with an organization called Free Burma Rangers. And then uh this past summer was in Colorado and got put in contact with a guy named Chris Sinclair who's doing a documentary film about the Eubank family. And then from that was like, got put in contact with Dave and then uh, did a podcast with them last fall. You all listen to that podcast. All right. So some of y'all are already familiar with what they're doing, but we really just want to give them this time and let them share about the organization, what they're doing. And Dave, I'll let you introduce your family. And then we're also going to have just an opportunity for you guys to ask questions. So as they go... Obviously, there's not a ton of people in here. would love for this to be in just an informal time where we can just chat, all right, and, and be encouraged about what they're doing. So I'll give it up for Dave Eubank. Thanks.
1: Thanks, y'all. Thanks. What a cool church. I, I would hang out there. I wanted to go to sleep on those couches in front of that little fireplace. And I met a guy named Dave also when we first walked in this morning, and he, I asked him about somebody, and he said, I don't know the name. He said, you know, there's like 200 people on staff. But he said, we're all on staff here. We're all part of the team. And they don't pay me, but I'm, I'm in this thing. And it's not just this building. It's the power of God through us. So that's what I feel in your church. I was telling Nathan and your pastor, Todd, I walked in here. I feel like it's a battleship combined with an aircraft carrier, but fueled by Jesus and led by his winds. So you're kind of like a sailboat, too, which means you know, battleships, you just go where they want and blow things up, but you go where Jesus wants, and that's a powerful difference. So I'd like to introduce my family.
2: Hi, my name is Sahali. I'm 18 years old, and in the areas where we work in Burma, Iraq, Syria, Kurdistan, I'm an assistant dentist, help drive the ambulances, and help lead our horse and mule teams in Burma, since we don't have very many roads, so we have to rely on horses and stuff. Hi, my name is Suzanne. I'm 16 years old, I help my mom with her kids programs and the food and water distributions in the Middle East, and in Burma I help lead the horse and mule teams. Hi, my name is Peter, and I'm 13 years old, and when I'm on the mission trips with my family, I help my mom with the Good Life Club program that she started for the kids in the war zones where we work, and I also help the food and water distributions in Syria and Iraq.
3: Good morning, I'm the mom, Karen. And it's a treasure to worship with you this morning. I took notes on the sermon, really powerful words. So when we are on mission trips, I do help lead a kids program where we want to minister to kids who are in conflict zones, whether they've been there just a few days or a few hours or minutes or a year or so. It's called the Good Life Club, and it has abundant life for your body and your soul when it's done as a full program, some health care and some spiritual truths and Songs and games. And if it's just a few minutes, then I make a lot of origami little activities for these little kids. So God is good. How he gives you something for anybody in that situation. And we do go as a family. The kids are a huge help. And what a blessing to be here with you.
1: I'll pray. Lord Jesus, thanks for being in this room, in this church with us. We offer this time back to you. Please may it be glorifying to you, good for everybody and fun and forgive us our sins too and thanks for that sermon today wow Um, help me know how to put that into your action in jesus name amen i think i'll start with that video there's a three minute video it's a trailer to this documentary but it gives you a picture of of our life in burma in iraq syria sudan i think but you'll see something of where we come from There's no promise of justice on this world. There's no promise of a safe way out. In fact, we're all gonna die. And so the question is, how are we gonna live? The small band of volunteers risking their lives
2: to help victims that are caught on the front lines of the war on terror. We're
1: in the ISIS territory, surrounded by them. Where's my role? I want to be where I'm most needed and I feel that's where people are being attacked when they're in trouble.
3: As a mom, I used to call my vocation fear management. I feel God saying, as crazy as it seems, if this is the path I have for you.
2: Over 50 years of civil war. The military killing thousands and leaving millions displaced.
1: I thought, man, that's just wrong. Little girls rape, villages burn? Lord, should I do something? Can I do something? I just felt go.
0: Easy way, hard way!
1: How can we help these people?
3: in the conflict zone, the danger, the risk, to pursue heaven.
1: When you're alone and everything's against you, for someone to come with you and say, I'm with you, man, God sent me.
3: Why do Christians go to other people's wars? God compels us to do this. And this is what we do out of love.
1: And we're going to stand with you. We're going to help you. Even I mean, if you die, trying, we're not going to leave you. Evil will not triumph. So I was a missionary kid, grew up in Thailand. My parents are still there. My dad will be 90 this year and 100 miles an hour. I grew up there. I went to Texas A.m. on an army scholarship, I know, I know there's at least two Aggies, And that's why we're here, actually. We're going down to A&M tonight. We're just in the States for a week. But after the army, I went to Fuller Seminary, and while I was there, I met Karen. And before we got married, we were asked by a tribe in Burma, please come and help us. That was 1993. And we went, but extra legally, because the government of Burma doesn't want you to help the minority groups they're beating up. So you have to walk or go by boat or whatever across the border. And like Saheli said, she handles horse and mule teams because we don't really have roads where we are, because the government controls the roads. So we've been in Burma 20 plus years, and ISIS started their thing. In 2014 in Syria and Iraq and we were asked to go help and i remember thinking why would we go there we don't speak Arabic or Kurdish we're only decent because we're in the jungle and there's no one to compare us to if we went to the real world we'd be nothing we're like the fifth string and but God I felt he opened a door for us miraculously to go I have to tell that miracle otherwise it's just like talk so we're in Burma not legally in the mountains. The Burma army is blocking our path. So it took us, we're on two months of walking, but it took us 19 days from the border. This is 20 to 25 miles a day in the mountains to go around the Burma army to get to this spot. So if you imagine if I'm here and where I need to get to the Chinese border is there, only maybe 80, 90 miles. You could do that in three or four hard, fast days. But because the Burma army is blocking us, we have to go around so we get this message in February 2015. Dave, bring some free Burma Rangers, that's our relief teams, bring them to Kurdistan and help against the fight against ISIS and be here in seven days. One, why would we go? Who are we? Second, you can't get there in seven days because it took us 19 days to walk around the Burma army. So I, we prayed, and my whole staff, most of whom don't really know where Iraq or Syria is because they're from Burma, chewing betel nut, wearing their flip flops. They're all like hobbits, they're phenomenal. When's breakfast? When's third breakfast? And they said, Okay, if God sends us, let's go. We just prayed, Okay, Lord, this is really easy because it's impossible to get there unless you do something. That's the best kind of miracle, right? We just know. And we prayed, and the next morning, the three Burma Army battalions, over a thousand men, moved to chase us. But when they moved to chase us and get on our old 19 day walk route, they left a gap open and we walked. 80, 90 miles in three days and nights, just moving. And we got to the China border, which is not easy to cross any time, illegally. It's a police state, and we're not the right color or the right look to kind of sneak through. But God opened that door, too. To make a long story short, in seven days, we were in Kurdistan. I was like, wow, God, you must really want us here. And as I looked at the black flag of ISIS, and in the Nineveh Plains, you know, Jonah, That's the whole story of Jonah. He still cares about those people. God still cares. And I read the whole book at the front line. And I remember thinking, God, what would we do here? And I felt God say, give up your own way. Give up the free Burma Ranger way. That's our organization. Just come help these people. So that was 2015, February. And then we were involved in that through the Battle of Mosul. Um, Some of you may have seen something like that. But still, our main effort's Burma. We have 70 to 90, depends on the year, five-person relief teams operating in the conflict areas. And our job, for me, is be ambassador of Jesus, share his love, share his supernatural power. Were you on the service today? Anybody? Oh, my gosh. You cannot do that, really, without Jesus. But he's supernatural. He does stuff that's impossible. So we had many supernatural experiences well, in the last 25 years, but especially in the Battle of Mosul. Many, 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 many. But probably the one of the most supernatural things I know about is hearts change. That's really the, the thing. Because you can you could say, well, that wasn't a miracle. That was a coincidence. You know, you could say, well, this guy died and you live because of this and this. But you can't say that about the human heart. And it's interesting that all the people that Jesus healed, they died later, right? But the hearts that change, that's eternal. That's the eternal thing. That's why we're here. So as we went through, my driver, who was an Iraqi soldier in in a Humvee, because we were just moving with the Iraqi army, before he was shot six times next to me, he became a follower of Jesus. I said, why'd you do that, man? There's no percentage being a follower of Jesus in the Iraqi army. It doesn't help you. And he said, because he changed my heart, I just secretly asked him to into my heart last night, because you keep talking about him, and you pray all the time, and we do. And he became a follower of Jesus, and what was his reward? One month later, shot six times. Wow. Wow, Jesus, I decided to follow you, and I get shot, but he, he's alive. My translator died next to him. He was trying to save my translator. Another guy in the Battle of Mosul, next to me, and we're on the street. We've been clearing ISIS, and... We sit down, which is a mistake, right in the middle of the street. Anybody who's a soldier, anybody who watches the movie, you know, oh, something bad's going to happen. We're sitting in this street, and our sister unit was not on, their, on our flank like we thought they were, and ISIS came around the corner, seven yards away. They closed within four yards, shooting, and we didn't even see them. First thing we heard was bam, 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 bam. You know, an AK is really loud when it's that close to you, and hit my other friend six times as well. Three in the chest, two in the arm, one in the leg. He falls back on top of me. I got hit in the arm, two hit my helmet. Anyway, that guy, we lived. We fought back, and we lived. But that guy that was shot multiple times, he was a hardcore Shia from Karbala. That's where the, you know, the ones that whip their heads with chains. You ever see that? He, was, he has little scars in his head from whipping his head with chains. Hardcore, very intellectual, very smart, brave officer. He'd be a great officer in anybody's army. The kind that can't change. They're just tough. Well, like three months ago, we met, and he said, Dave, you should know this. It's a secret, but I follow Jesus now. He's in my heart. Wow, how did that happen? And he said, but I can't tell anybody because I'm in Karbala. They won't just kill me. They'll kill my entire family. So, but the, this is what happens. And then the third story of Changed Hearts, in the middle of the Battle of Mosul, we had lots of, our job is not to fight. Our job is to share the gospel of Jesus, give food and medicine to people. But we were involved in a few fights. And one point, a little kid was killed next to me that became my friend before she was killed. And that made me so mad, I just crossed the line in my heart. And I thought, that's it. I can't live with myself anymore, just like handing out medicine and water and praying to people. That's my kid. I'm gonna hunt down ISIS and kill every one of them that I can. Not that I'm any super soldier, but I'm gonna do more than just what we're doing. Isn't that justice? And the Lord showed me the next morning in Scripture, which I read randomly. I said, Lord, tell me about last night. Was that right or wrong? And I put my finger on my Kindle three times, and I got the same verse from three different places in the Bible, which I didn't even know was there. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord I will repay. And I said, Jesus, I give up revenge. What I called justice was really revenge. And the difference is justice requires love for the perpetrator and the hurt person. Without love, you cannot have justice. You can have what humans may call it, but it's not. Underneath that is a s- revenge and hate. And so the miracle that happened to me is when I said, I give up revenge, forgive me, it was like a 2,000-pound weight pulled off my shoulder. And I didn't even know I had that sin. So, and I was free. I didn't have to kill anybody or do anything. I just had to be his ambassador. And I just say those stories to say that's the evidence of Jesus in all of our lives. And that's the only way I'm going to be able to follow Todd's sermon. So I have three stories that I want to share also from this last. We just came out of Syria. I don't think I'll show the video because I don't think we could really see it. Um, unless, could you see it? Can you all see it? Really? Okay. Well, maybe we'll show it. Um, but I'll, I'll wait a second. So we were in Syria at the last stronghold of ISIS. and We came out about 10 days ago. And the caliphate has lost its last physical area. But there's still 20 to 30,000 ISIS. In fact, an NBC vehicle got blown up yesterday. Um, right outside Bagus. So Bagus is right on the border of Iraq, where Iraq and Syria meet and the Euphrates River meet is this little circle of misery, like Dante's Inferno. It's a little valley. ISIS that got pushed out of Mosul, and then they lost Raqqa, lost Deir zor came down the Euphrates River, and they're stuck in this little corner. And in this little circle, there was, the, I remember the American army I met there, they said, hey, there's only 3,000 people here, and it'll be over in three days. Well, 30,000 people later. It turns out there were 60,000 people in this little hole. They had tunnels built underneath their tents and, and built, and there were only a few buildings, and they're fighting to the death. And this is a distillation of, of ISIS. Only the toughest, like the cream rises to the top. I don't know, this is something that's gone to the bottom. But they're hardcore from Malaysia, um, Bosnia, Suriname, um, Russia, Ukraine, Chechnya, England, Australia. Only the toughest of the tough. And they kind of remind me a way of Saul. You know how Saul was breathing hatred against the believers? They're just kind of committed people. You don't scare them out of places. But finally, they had to give up because they're all going to die. They had no more food, and they're encircled. And they're encircled by the, the Syrian Democratic Forces, supported by coalition air power and artillery, and just getting hammered. So we were there to give help, hope, and love to ISIS. And I'd met ISIS many times in Mosul, and they usually they were dead or My friends were dead. And it was always, though, they would really say, like the movies, Alu Akbar, they'd really say that right before they're trying to kill you. Ah! Which throws off your accuracy. Thank God. because try to yell at someone and shoot at the same time. But they would say that and blow themselves up or try to kill us. But now I'm meeting them as prisoners and as people who gave up. And the thing that surprised me the most, which it shouldn't have, nine out of ten were unrepentant. That's the worst. You know, when you're trying to have reconciliation and someone thinks they're right, that's really hard. And they would say things like, It's right to enslave these women, they should be raped. That's their that's that right thing. I watched the executions in Raqqa. It's right, you guys are all gonna die. God is just testing us. Wow. One out of ten, Max, would say, I'm really sorry, and I was involved in ISIS. And it kind of reminded me of the Bible. One out of ten came back to Jesus and said, Thank you. So the three stories I want to tell. I wasn't going to tell the first one. Maybe I'm even wrong to tell it. But, it's, but I need prayer. I need help how to deal with this. You don't even know me. But we first got to Syria. We rarely do anything with the American military. Almost never. Because they're doing their own thing. They got their own war. In the Battle of Mosul, we did a lot with them. Every general in the Battle of Mosul we were involved with were believers. One guy just lost his wife, Scott Eflon. I'm going to see him in about two days. And I would get on my unsecure iPhone. At first, I'd just describe what's happening, and they would respond with air. And pretty soon, as we trusted each other, we'd pray on the phone and they would bring in error for us on this. I'm not in the American army anymore. Just unsecure iPhone. And in the middle of Mosul, at the end of the battle, to try to rescue civilians who were trapped by ISIS, you couldn't just fire high explosives because you'd kill everybody. You needed smoke right on target. And so this American general would give me smoke anytime I wanted. Amazing. And we saved lots of people. They saved it. They saved the people. So our, our relationship with the American military was very tight. I'm an ex-ranger and special forces officer. We got to Syria this time. We accidentally bumped into the American army. And it was this particular unit did not want us there. It was like you walk into a wall. And it was like, okay, no problem. We'll, we'll leave. No, 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 no. Not only we going want you here, we're going to kick you out of here. It's like, hey, man, how did that happen? That's my family. I'm an American. I'm an American special forces officer. We get along, and I told the commander, I said, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. in Mosul, this is not Mosul. This is a whole new world. You guys are out. This is not the battle I expected to fight. I expected to fight ISIS. But the devil doesn't have any boundaries, does he? Love them either. But you have to choose one or the other. So that was like a cold bath. Wow. Did not expect that. So I began to pray. And finally, I just prayed this. Lord Jesus, help us be friends. And if they won't be our friends, don't let them kick us out. And they couldn't. So after about a month, we saw them almost every day because as pe- families would be fleeing ISIS out of the bagoose, out of the circle, we'd be the first ones there with the Syrian army to help. And behind us would be the Americans processing the prisoners and checking biometrics and all that for, for ISIS guys because ISIS men are coming out too. And this one guy came up and said, well, we tried to get rid of you, but we couldn't. And um, I said, wow, God answered my prayer. He said, he answered one of them, we can't get rid of you. But second, we're not going to be friends. Okay. Um... But that's weird. So my request to y'all is that we could be friends. Because my temptation is, okay, fine. You do your thing, we do our thing. But God is bigger than that. He's bigger than you do yours and do you. And they didn't sign up for the church. So it doesn't exactly follow the sermon that we could be one. But that's my prayer is that somehow, um, we keep our focus in following Jesus and serving the Kurdish people and the Arabs and ISIS. But we could be friends. I don't know what's going on, but I never experienced anything like that in my life. So, that's one thing. So that's my prayer request to y'all. I'm going back next week and probably bumping these guys again. Now one unit of, I'm a, I'm a special forces guy and the guys that gave us a hard time are army special forces. And so it really kind of hurts me to say a Navy SEAL unit came up to me and said, hey man, don't listen to those guys. You're doing a great job. Keep going. But that's a fact. You can tell your SEAL friend Clint. So, but that's a prayer request and I, I don't know how that relates to y'all but maybe when you go to serve Jesus and you run into other church people, you may think you're doing the same on the same team. It isn't always that way. And so I, I need prayer to to not just do our little job, but to do his job. And his job is past um, humanitarian relief. And it's more than even sharing the gospel with the Kurds and whoever else and extending mercy to ISIS. It's somehow sharing love with our, my own country people. Second story I have is this we are um, helping these prisoners. And most of them are pretty hateful. They're serious. They would kill you. And we're helping them. And we have to pray every day for Jesus to change our hearts, to keep giving love. So, and we got a lot of wounded. We treated over 4,000 wounded during that battle um, this last month. And we're carrying the wounded into trucks. And then you have to pick up their bags and put them in. And these are women like no legs going to bathroom on themselves because they can't do anything else. And my daughters are cleaning them up. I mean, it's stinking. They're shot up. Our medics are working on them and we're loading their stuff and the Americans are over here processing the men and they don't want us near them. That's, that's part of that prayer. Okay, we stay away from them. We're loading these. And an American soldier comes up to us and he, and he says to one of my medics, what's it like to be a Sherpa for ISIS? Like, you fools. And my new medic who had that question. He's an American. Most of my medics are from Burma, and they're much nicer than I am. But the medic's an American like me. And he said, Dave, I just want to turn on and punch that guy. And he said, but I just prayed. And this medic, we baptized him in the Tigris River last year. So he's a new believer, and he's tested right away. And he turns to the American soldier, and he says, have a good day, sir. He said, Dave, that's the best I could do. I was just going to hit him. And I thought later, I thought, well, that's a fair question. By this American soldier. What are you doing helping the enemy, man? And I thought, while we were God's enemies, he sent Jesus to carry our burdens. Wow. That's the gospel. It's not a video game. This is real life. I'm also God's enemy. Almost every day I have a chance to be God's enemy and sometimes take it. But even while I'm his enemy, he sent Jesus. So us as the church, our one of our, our opportunities and duties is to help carry people's burdens, even our enemies. So that's one thing I learned. The next, the last little story I have is the last day we were there, about 50 or 60 more ISIS men came in. They were captured, and they're mean. And, you gotta, and they're looking at you, and they're looking, who's got weapons? You can just see it in their eyes. If, and They wonder if they could jump us. And so you're being very careful as you move around them but I'm also praying. And of that group of 60, only one man responded positively. He was a, a Tunisian ISIS guy, broken, shot in the leg and crippled, but broken in spirit. And I just said, man, when I'm in big trouble and you're in big trouble, Jesus can help you. He does the impossible. Just ask him, man. Ask him. So I prayed with him and we had this great moment. When that was done, I got on my radio and, and we're just in the flat, open desert because the, the battle is in this little hole and we're, we're either on the front line helping the Syrian forces who were shot or families are escaping we back up and we help the families and we're backed up here in this little circle of steel we have our armored vehicles around our piles of food and medicine and clothes and whatever else and that's for the women and kids but the men are over here so i'm with the men about 500 yards away and i get on the radio and i said hey someone in our little little circle there bring me food and water for about 60 guys so suzanne came up and two nights before that she'd prayed with me and been crying i said why are you crying, honey?" She said, I don't, have, I don't love these people. I can't stand them. They're terrible. We try to give them stuff. They threaten to kill us. They try to punch me. And I thought, well, that's just normal. Of course, they're our enemy. They want to kill you. You know what they do to us? Oh, my gosh. And so we prayed together. So then she came up with food and water. And these ISIS guys are starving and thirsty. And they desperately need this. And they, they're like, their eyes light up when they see food and I mean bread and water. And then when they see it's Suzanne, oh, an American woman is giving them bread and water. Wow. They close their eyes like this and they put their hands up because they got to eat. And at one hand, they're so ashamed to be helped by a woman and an infidel woman. On the other hand, they need it. And I thought of that verse in the Bible where Jesus says, is it Jesus? There's a Paul. Well, God's saying it anyway. All the real theologians can tell me, but the message is from God. When your enemy is hungry, feed him. When he's thirsty, be giving something to drink. By doing so, you'll keep burning coals on his head. And that's what happened to these guys. And the ones that may choose to reject that, like, oh, that was terrible and I got to eat. Okay, that's their choice. But some, that's the only thing that's going to break. And so ISIS has to be fought with one hand, like a mailed fist. You've got to. And the American forces there supporting the Kurds are doing a great job. They got to be there. We've been advocating through our little channels. Keep the Americans there. The Americans cannot solve the problem But they create a space where people have to work together and they stop other enemies from attacking. So we really want the Americans there. And they're, they're, they're part of the mailed fist that has to stop ISIS, I think. But that just stops the physical guns, which is important. But that doesn't change the heart. With the other hand, you have to say, there's another way. I'm not it. Jesus is the way. There's another way. And so that was our role, I felt, to say, to be part of that mailed fist with the Syrian democratic forces but to be the part that put the hand out that said, Jesus has a way for you. So that's just a a report. I don't even know how much time I took, maybe most of it. Um, I wanted to share with y'all, and my prayer request is that we go back next week only if God wants us to go. We don't have to go. And when we go back, we go where we're supposed to go. And then my own little personal prayer is we could somehow, I can't do it, Jesus, penetrate that wall with the Americans. We don't really need them because we don't work with them. We work with the locals. But we ran into him, and he loves them. He loves even the mean guys. And I want to get past myself, and I love what Todd said. So that's my prayer request to y'all, and I'll tell you what happens. Okay, this is a a little Syria video. So that's a, a picture of the situation in that part of Syria. That's actually a first of a four-part little video series you can find on our website or on YouTube. So thanks for praying for us. Um, and it's a great privilege for us to be part of that. And I don't think I've ever felt weaker and more in need of Jesus refilling than I did on this mission. It was like we ran out of love not every day, like every day hour but he kept giving it back to us and that's that's a blessing so any questions for myself or Karen and the kids here one of the audience
0: members asked dave what his experience was with interacting with muslims who have had dreams or visions about jesus and this was his response
1: yeah i've heard those stories and then i finally got to live in them um one thing i heard over and over again in iraq Kurdistan, and Syria, of many different people. I'm sick of Islam. And ISIS made me see I don't want it. So now what am I going to do? The um, Muhammad, my driver, who was shot six times, became a believer, then he was shot and he's alive still. He said that he didn't have a dream. He just had this feeling in his heart. But when he was shot, his sister, who's a Muslim in Baghdad, didn't know he was shot. That same moment, she had a vision. And her brother should be dead shot that many times. But in the vision, Jesus came to her holding her brother in his arms and said, don't worry about your brother. He's going to be okay. He's with me. Wow. And then she found out he was shot. And there was, um, some of you may have seen this scene where ISIS had killed about 150 people. But down this one street against a wall, there were some living. There were seven kids alive and two adults. And adults were shot multiple times. They were kind of just crouched against a bunch of dead bodies. And the kids were not dead. But as the day wore on, we saw it. We couldn't get across the street because ISIS was shooting everything. As the day wore on, one by one, the kids were killed until only one kid was left. And she was hiding under her dead mother. So we finally got the Americans give us some smoke. And they followed this Iraqi tank. And we got the girl out and two of the men. We lost one of the men. So we just got the girl out who's hiding behind the dead mother and one guy. Well, later, we finally, the whole family's dead for this little girl, but her grandmother's alive. And when we met her grandmother, she said, you should know something. But I found I looked, thought about it later and figured it out. The moment you were rescuing my granddaughter, I had a vision. And it was a man shining in white with a beautiful face with sh- sh- like shining, burning hair, um, blonde, she said but just like, and eyes are just burning and very beautiful and big, big and all in white, he stepped across this evil channel and picked up my granddaughter and rescued her. I said, oh, that was Jesus. We didn't see him, but we knew we were working with him. So that was a vision she had, and she's another hardcore Sunni. And so those are a couple of experiences I had. Then there was um, in Syria, we helped two Christians, a mother and a son, get out. And they're in Iraq now. But the, they were both Muslim. And the, the son had a dream where Jesus said, stop wasting your life. Like, you're a total loser. Do you want to keep being a loser you want to follow me? He goes, whoa, I didn't know he was real. And he became a follower of Jesus. The mother then had a dream where Jesus came to her, healed her of something for real, and then said, now you should go to church. And she said, I'm not going to do that. And about a month later... Jesus came to her again in a dream and said, if you don't go to church, you're going to be in big trouble. And she said, oh, I'll go to church. Well, these are real dreams, and there's no reason they should have them. So those are my experiences. And I feel that, like, when we first went to Syria in 2016, a Syrian, a new Christian in, in Syria, came to us in Iraq during the fighting. It wasn't easy. And he said, come. God is sending a river of his Holy Spirit to change Syria. I said, hey, man. Don't think we're the American army or something big. We're the Freedom rangers. We're not even a piece of water. We're like a drop. And he said, don't you know, Dave, all of us are drops in God's reign. But when we fall together, we become a river of his power. And you and I may not live to see the change in Syria, but it's coming. So without Jesus, without the power of God, impossible. That place is crazy. That place helped me understand why Saddam Hussein had his power, why Assad has power. I would even find myself thinking, better to have them here, man these people are just going to whack out. They're choosing chaos and violence to such a degree where only a dictator will stop them. You say, please don't do this, sir. Please don't hit my wife. Please don't steal my truck. Please don't steal the food that the to those kids. Please don't push over that old lady. And until you put a gun to their head, they don't stop. So only Jesus is going to change that place. But he sent us and we're like the least qualified. And like, why would he send us? I don't know. But it, I, I think it, one, one reason is this. And we're not the only people. We're just one little group. It's because he cares about that place. And he's going to do something. He's already doing something. So we handed out Bibles to many of the soldiers. We tried to hand out Bibles to ISIS women that the few that were open, and there were some that were open, and the few that were open kissed the Bible and said, this, this is the word we need, but I can't take it to the refugee camp. They will kill me. If you don't, if you take your burqa off as a woman in the ISIS refugee camp, your fellow ISIS sisters will kill you. So that's a a prayer request I have is that God would send his people into that part of Syria to help.
0: Another audience member works with refugees here in Dallas and she asked Dave what advice he would give to more effectively reach the refugees that are in our own backyard.
1: And this is what he said. Well, first, to remember that our country is a country of refugees. My grandmother was Czech. And she fled because things were terrible there. I mean, her dad fled because things were terrible. And he didn't wreck this country. And so um, we're still that. We're still that country. We have some great things. And your pastor quoted him. Todd, pastor, um what did he say? And to this cause, he was quoting the last part of the Declaration of Independence. We give our lives, our fortune, our sacred honor. Those, those giving up of those things... Um, and sacrificing together has made this country a great country. And we're afraid to lose it by bringing in people who don't believe the same things. And that's, a, that's worth being afraid about. But it's not like anything new. Um, so I think the context they come from is, number one, is an Islamic context. Actually, no, it's not. Islam came later. Before there was Islam, there's all these tribes and beliefs. And that you can read about in the Bible. Child sacrifice, butchering each other. Europe was probably similar, but what was the difference? The message of Jesus came to Europe and influenced these tribes and cultures. The message of Jesus came to the Middle East, but then Muhammad came over it and watched well, a very different message, completely radically different. So they grow up in this desert, brutal culture, which is very hospitably oriented, but very us and them, you know, my, my country against the world, my, my tribe against my country, my family against my tribe, me against my brother. That's, that's the culture you come from. And then you've got Islam and a zillion rules and all these life like this. And then you've got governments of dictators. And so you're used to lying to them and everybody because it doesn't work to tell the truth. They're not just habitual liars because they're bad character. Because have you ever been to Eastern Europe when the communists were? It does not pay you to tell the truth. And in this country, it's a battle every day with our justice systems. You can't trust the police. You won't lie to them because you're a bad person. You just say, no, that's the devil I'm talking to. I will never give that to them. I've even experienced that in my own life here. Well, they live that every day. So they're coming from a radically different experience. I was walking in Menvij in this liberated town, and it's completely full of garbage. I mean, it stinks. It's such a mess. And I said, what's wrong with these people? Now, what is wrong with them? And my, my Christian friend, who's our guide there, my coordinator, Bashir, he said, Dave, have you been in their houses? I said, yeah. What are the houses like? Spotless. You get all the food. I mean, they, they, give, you every, they give you the master bedroom. You get everything. Why do you think that is? Why is the street so dirty and their house is so nice? Because the house is the only thing they can control. Everything else belongs to somebody else. They could care less. It doesn't pay for them to help. So this is where they're coming from. Totally opposite of, of here. So I think the only way to really change things that's too radical to educate it out is love and Jesus love and Jesus unconditional. Um, I think that's the only way to, to change that. Another audience member asked
0: Dave what evangelism opportunities typically come up in doing mission work like this and how the Eubank family has seen people respond to the gospel. And this is what he said.
1: I think it only works if we follow the Lord, because it's like Gideon's little plan of 300 against thousands would not work if that wasn't God's plan. So it only works as God leads us to work. But I think the principles work. When people are in trouble, you go. You don't ask, is it safe? How much money do I, am I going to get? You just say, where's the problem? I'm with you. We, we have a rule in free Room rangers. You can't run if people can't run. So if you're there and everybody's running, you probably should be running. But if if one person can't run, you, you don't say, well, you know, it's not worth our assets and resources. And it's not worth my life. I stay with them. And that's tested quite often, especially in the Middle East. Most recently, one of, the, one of the Arab soldiers that we were with decides to feed ISIS. I mean, it's against the law. It's against common sense. These ISIS soldiers who've been shooting at us, they've, they've shot 15, 14 of us in the last three days. They shot one of my guys on this last mission, very minor. You saw the video, actually, it's shrapnel from a rocket. But they still try to kill us. Suddenly, one of them, we can't tell who's who, it says, I'm hungry. In a lull in the fighting, they're negotiating to release families. And one guy comes out, I'm hungry. I said, okay. I say to the translator, we're only 70 yards away from him. Come on up, man. We'll feed you. We'll take care of you. Don't worry. No, 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 no. You'll turn me to the Iraqis, the Iraqis will kill me. Just feed me. So the Arab soldier with me has to go down this ravine, expose himself to danger, and give food to the people who are shooting at him. I think it's kind of foolish, actually, because they're going to shoot at you in five minutes. It's not like they gave up. There's a little distinction. Some I'm going to, oh, my gosh, he's going down. I've got to go with him because if he gets shot, which is about 70% chance it's going to happen, i got to go help him. Is it worth my life and my family's misery to rescue a guy who's doing, really, it's against, against international law to, to aid and abet and a terrorist, right? as they're fighting you, and it's plain stupid. But then I prayed, and I thought, no, this is why you came. It transcends human laws. It transcends idiocy and sin. You're ambassador of Jesus. Listen to him. So I listened to him. It was like, go. Uh, well, we didn't get killed. But that was like been a really stupid way to die. But we went with him. We were crawling on our bellies with this guy in case he did get shot. So I think when you go into any place, right here in Dallas, and you step into someone's problem, and you say, I'm going to stay here with you no matter how horrible it is and what I lose, that creates trust, and it creates, it's a space for love. So I don't know if it's a model or not. I know it works everywhere we go. And like the, the, in, in uh, Sudan, they say, oh, you brought your family? You must not want anything from us. They try to give us land in Sudan just because we we're there as a family. You're our, our tribe now. When we we're in Iraq, the Iraqi general says, you're here with us at the front, and your family's here too, you must think Iraqis and Americans are worth the same in God's eyes. And then in Kurdistan, you brought your son, your most precious thing, I give you my country. So that is the only way, I think, to penetrate those kind of places. But without prayer, we should all be dead for no reason. So it's like prayer and thought and listening. And I, I think getting dead, though, doesn't mean you're wrong. The Bible's full of all kinds of people, starting with Jesus, I don't want to be one of those guys. But I, I think the proof is, is it, was it right or not is what Jesus did say about fruit. What is the fruit? And the fruit we've seen has changed lives. Iraqi generally said, I, the two worst things in the world are American Christians. And I prayed to God when I almost lost my country to ISIS. And what did he send me to help me? An American Christian, you. So anyways.
0: I think too, just to, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking about, just the, a lot of times as Christians, when we feel like God is calling us to do something, the paradigm that we process that through is, can I see the end game? Is it safe? Am I going to lose material goods? How am I going to be provided for? And one of the things that I'm uh, privilege I get actually doing this podcast is I talk to a lot of really interesting people. And one of the threads that I've uh, just experienced in these conversations is that Jesus brings people to the point where, like Bruce Demarest, I don't know if y'all have listened to that podcast series. If not, you definitely need to. Um, Not because of me, because of him. Dude's legit. But he said that Jesus was asking him to do something that he was outside of his paradigm to even understand what it was. And he prayed and was like, well, Lord, um, because he was asking him, hey, I want you to give your life for this. And he asked Jesus, he's like, well, who's going to take care of my family? And who's going to take care of me? And he said Jesus came to him really powerfully and quickly and just answered him and said, I will. I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of you. And I think that that's, whether it's going to Mosul or Bagus or going down to feed a guy that is shooting at you, that there is something about it when Jesus says, go for us to prayerfully listen and not be foolish, right? Because there's plenty of foolish people out there, <laughs> but to prayerfully listen and then to respond in faith. That's what it looks like to respond in faith is when Jesus says, go, you go. And you, you have a bunch of unanswered questions and you have a lot of fears and anxieties that you just say, Lord, you've got to take that. And, and I'm going to follow you. And even if it means that I'm following you to my grave, you're going to raise me from the dead. So, okay. And again, you don't treat life flippantly because it's not flippant, but, but you do trust Jesus. And that's what it looks like to trust Jesus. So that's one of the things that I've just being around you guys that I'm, I'm strongly reminded of And I'm grateful for just the example that you guys set, because they're going to be making those decisions in Syria and Burma and Iraq. And sometimes here at the States, you guys are going to be making those decisions when you're going to your office tomorrow, when you're doing a business deal, when you're having a conversation with your waiter, you know, and it's the same thing. Jesus is going to be like, Hey, I want you to do this. And well, I'm afraid, or I'm, I don't know how this is going to go. Or how are you going to provide if this thing falls through or whatever? It's like, Hey, I've got that. You go. That's the upside-down kind of nature of the kingdom of God. It's always been like that, you know? So, uh, man, we're, we're deeply encouraged by you guys. One last question for you, and then I'd love for all of us, we're going to get the Eubank family kind of in the middle here, and we're just going to circle them and lay hands on them and just pray for them, okay? But one last question is, how can we help you guys? How can we help you? At, um, I know your first answer is going to be like, pray for us. We're going to do that. But how can we help time... Talents, treasures, resources.
1: What do you guys need? Yeah, prayer. Because <laughs> <that's> we <weird. laughs> are I'm the worst of the team. And that's really true. But there's always two sides to that, right? If you have a bull, I'm not even a bull. I'm like a small dog. They can do certain things. But there's a lot of things they, they break and can't do. And so really prayer to be do what Jesus wants. And... Then I think wisdom. We, we have teams in, in Burma, Iraq, and Syria. Where are we supposed to be? Maybe it's like y'all. You've grown to be a huge church. You can't be everywhere at once. What are we supposed to do? And for our own team, I learned a lot listening this morning about stuff we need to deal with in our own teams of people that, you know, instead of talking behind their backs, dealing with it. In terms of the right partnerships um, and funding, we need that. We were really blessed on this last mission. We, we spent like almost a half an annual budget just on one mission. It wasn't our money. Someone else just saw that we were there and said, take it. So our organization is called Free Burma Rangers. as a website, and I think you've got our, our stuff. You can look at that and if you see if God wants you to pray for us or send money or volunteer yourself. I'd love to take these guys on a little trip. But they're huge, man. I gonna have these like three young Anna guys I get to walk around with. I think, I think those are the main... When we come to America, we're only here a week this time. How can we be useful? How can we be useful to y'all and anyone else? I don't know. Well, thank you very much. Oh, thanks. Can she sing a song? Absolutely.
2: So this song will be in Arabic. And the meaning of the song is, Jesus is watering me with his kindness. My life is to satisfy you, O oh Lord. You, my friend, my precious Savior, the person who lights my life. Thank you for creating a place for me in your heaven.
0: You've enjoyed listening to this special update from the Eubank family. If you want to learn more about the Eubank family and what they're doing, I would encourage you to go to their YouTube channel, Free Burma Rangers, or I would encourage you to go to their website, freeburmarangers.org. There is a get involved button in the top right corner. You can contact them, find out how you can volunteer, find out how you can give, and most of all, I know they covet our prayers. So let's be in prayer for Eubank family that they would continue to take the love of Christ to the oppressed around the world.